Good morning, everyone. Welcome to those who are joining us in the sanctuary today and online as well. Today we begin a new sermon series called Being Transformed, where we're learning how living with Jesus as your Lord is to live constantly being transformed by his character and by his grace. And I think when we often think about being transformed by Jesus, what we think of first are those mountaintop moments those big spiritual aha moments where God shows up in a powerful way and shows us something about himself. And I think when we pray to be transformed by faith, that's really what we're asking for. Lord, show me that you're real. Show me that you're powerful. Show me that you're God. And sometimes God will do that. He'll show up in ways that surprise us and dazzle us and amaze us. And moments like that do leave us changed. And we love hearing other people's mountaintop moments too. Those stories really encourage us. They bring us hope. Do you have mountaintop moments in your faith story? How have they changed you? Well, the transfiguration of Jesus for Peter, James, and John was certainly a moment like that in their faith. So can you imagine this for a moment? that one day Jesus calls Peter, James, and John to come with him up a mountain. And it's pretty much a day like any other day until they reach the top of the mountain and suddenly all heaven breaks loose. And right in front of them, Jesus' normal appearance as their teacher, their master, their friend is transfigured, is changed until he's shining as bright as the sun. And it becomes terrifyingly obvious that this teacher that they've been following is more than just an ordinary man. And they fall flat on their faces in holy terror. In the Old Testament, when the bright light of the Shekinah glory of God filled the tabernacle, the people had the same reaction. They said to Moses at the time, you go and talk to God for us. Because if we get anywhere near a God that holy, we are going to (laughs) die. And now on this moment on the mountaintop, the disciples saw God's Shekinah glory that once filled the temple was now walking around on earth in the living temple of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, fully God and fully human. And all the glory of God was right here in this Jesus. And not only that, they saw talking with Jesus, Moses, who met God in glory on the mountain to receive the law, and Elijah the prophet, who had been taken up to heaven in glory through a fiery chariot. And these heroes of faith are as far removed in history from them as the disciples are from you. And yet here they are standing right there, obviously knowing the same Jesus the disciples knew. Can you imagine how you'd react to seeing something like that? Well, Peter, being Peter, immediately blurts out, hey, it's a really good thing we're here so we can build some shelters for you. And the gospel writer Mark very kindly clarifies for us, since this is obviously ridiculous, that Peter was too terrified to be thinking clearly. Because here's Moses and Elijah who supernaturally appeared in God's power. Would they need shelters made out of wood and stone to protect them from rain? (laughs) Obviously not. But Peter wants to do something in this profound moment. He wants to build something. And really, that's a pretty natural reaction, isn't it? When we experience something really good, everything in us wants to dig in and set up camp right there. But staying in that place of glory, that was not the plan. 
In fact, the very moment that Peter suggests building something permanent, a cloud covers everything and they hear the voice of God echo the words that God spoke to Jesus in his baptism. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. What he's saying is, Jesus already has a plan, Peter. (laughs) And when all the smoke clears, all that's left is Jesus. And Jesus tells them, it's time to go. Don't say a word about this until after I've risen from the dead. And then on the way down the mountain, they wrestle with what that could possibly mean. Because after what they'd seen, how could they believe that death could be any part of that plan? I mean, once you've seen that God has shown up with you, where do you go from there? Well, Jesus shows them. You go down with him into the needs of the broken world. See, the transfiguration story is so powerful, not just because God showed up on earth to be worshipped in his glory, but because that glorious God chose to come down to where we are, undercover, to deploy that power where we need it. His mission wasn't just for us to recognize his glory. His mission was to save us so he could draw us into his glory with him. The transfiguration on the mountaintop shows us that Jesus has the power to save us, to deliver on that saving mission, but it's his choice to turn and walk back down that mountain into the valley of suffering on a path that will lead to his own torture and death. That's what makes this story life-changing because it shows us Jesus not only has the power to save us, but the love to give it all up to put that transformational power to work for us. Jesus' life-changing power is put to work in the valleys. And it's really important that we know that because most of our lives are not lived in mountaintop moments, are they? As I was preparing for this message today, a story from the Old Testament kept popping into my head. In 1 Kings 20, God's people had just narrowly won a battle on top of a hill. But they weren't given time to recover from that battle because their enemy had been revitalized by a lie. Their enemy had been told that the Israelites' God was a God of the hills and not of the valleys. So if they could just get them into the valley, God would leave them and they'd be easy pickings. And I think the reason this popped into my head is because I think we're often taken in by that same lie. That when things are good, when we can see what God is doing, when we feel like we followed Jesus well up the mountain of faith and we're camped out in the midst of the holy, it's really easy to trust that God is God and he's with us. But on those days when we find ourselves in the valley and we're full of fear and we're full of doubt, when all we can see is darkness and death and we can't see where God is moving, it's really easy to wonder, is God still God here Do you ever wonder if your God is only a God of the mountains? Back to 1 Kings. God's people were assembling for the fight. In 1 Kings 20, 27, the Israelites camped opposite them like two small flocks of goats while the Arameans covered the countryside. This did not look good. But then the Lord spoke. Because the Arameans think the Lord is a God of the hills and not a God of the valleys, I will deliver this vast army into your hands and you will know that I am the Lord. And he did. 
the God of the mountains showed up with his people in the valley, and they all learned not to make any assumptions about where this God can or will show up. The power of the transfiguration story isn't just in experiencing Jesus' power as the Son of God. It's in realizing this glorious God of the mountaintops made the choice to come into the valleys to fight for us, a battle we could not win without him. Because the victory that would change our eternity forever could only take place in a garbage dump outside the city gates on a criminal's cross. And so that's where Jesus went. The love that transforms is the love that chooses to go low. But since Peter, James, and John weren't ready for that yet, Jesus tells them not to say anything about this until he rises from death. Because only in seeing Jesus resurrected would they understand that this mountaintop glory was not defeated by his death on the cross. It was unleashed to be applied to you and to me right where Jesus finds us, even in the valley. You see, we truly don't understand what Jesus' resurrection from death to life has to do with us until we understand how much we need him to do the same for us. Until we realize that he's still doing that for us and for the world. Until we realize what Jesus' actions here show us about what it means to be his people. Because if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to watch where he's going. And where does he go from here? Well, Peter, James, and John, having just seen who Jesus is, are in shock, still following after him, watching him coming down from the mountain. And they see him walking down these dusty mountain roads, sweating in the heat. And when he gets into the valley, the very first thing he does coming down the mountain is to do battle with evil. He kicks an evil spirit out of a sick boy to free this boy to live a new life. And can you imagine how they would see this with new eyes? They're seeing that to the Lord of heaven and earth, this boy matters enough for the power that created the universe to step into his creation and fight his battle to set him free. And not just in this earthly moment, but for all eternity. When you see the glory and the power and the love of God is here for you, where do you go from that moment? Well, if you're going to follow Jesus, you'll find yourself in the valleys where that love and that power is needed to set people free. And the other night, I heard a profound example of this on NPR radio as I was on my way to the gym. I found out on the radio that in Syria, there are many men, women, and children, either who are trapped behind ISIS battle lines or who had been traveling with ISIS, who are now choosing to flee. The interview was with a man named David Eubank, a former American Special Forces Ranger, who founded a humanitarian aid group called Free Burma Rangers to help save those who are trapped by oppressive regimes and war zones all around the world. And as former Special Forces, David has been wounded four times. He's seen his translator and 30 of his closest Iraqi friends killed around him. He knows what a risk it is every single time he goes in with his teams. But his ranger teams work alongside the local and international military forces who help provide cover for them. But they are the ones who run in behind the battle lines to the places where the civilians are hiding, terrified and trapped, to provide their personal cover to get them to safety. And then once they're safe, receiving teams give them water and food and clothing and blankets and medical care and human rights documentation to help them start over. 
David is on the forward teams, and his wife and three children serve on the receiving teams. David said in the radio interview that as shelling happens, people break away, many of whom get shot by ISIS as they try to flee, and they come out bewildered and terrified, especially the kids. He said, one ISIS girl, when my daughter gave her some food, said, is it okay to take this? We were told we'd be tortured and killed by the enemy, you all. The interviewer then asked David, you're there in eastern Syria with your family, your wife, your 12-year-old son, and your two teenage daughters. Why take this risk with your kids? And David answered, my kids do feel this is the right place for them, to give love to people in need. And when the ISIS families see America's not just soldiers and might and power, but families who love each other, I believe that's the antidote. That's love. And as I was listening to this interview on the radio, something deep down in my gut knew that this guy belonged to Jesus. I could just hear it in his voice, that he was moved by self-sacrificial love to go into the valley of the shadow of death because he knew that love transforms lives. So when I got home, I looked up the Free Burma Rangers, and I found out that this is a multi-faith organization, but at the bottom description that David himself wrote, he wrote, it is my personal mission to share the love of Jesus Christ. And I did a little fist bump. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Their supporting foundation, Free the Oppressed, is named after Jesus' mission statement in Luke 4, where Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And David writes about the rangers, we stand against the oppressors, but we're also praying for the oppressors and asking God for love for them. No one is beyond redemption. This is our prayer for all of us, that we are the people that God created us to be. And David then writes, Psalm 77, 19 says what I feel about how God leads us. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. He says, we follow an invisible God who visibly changes us. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus' love has the power to transform, to transfigure our lives in his glory, but only if we don't stay camped out with it ourselves on the mountaintop. But walking it down takes love and it takes courage. The website showed that there are several requirements for becoming a free Burma Ranger, and I was, perfect, I was very particularly moved by the first two. Requirement number one is that each volunteer be motivated by love, only love. Requirement two is physical and moral courage. Volunteers must have the physical ability to enter into the crisis and the moral courage to stand with those under attack. So basically what that means is if those people that you are seeking to rescue can't run away, neither can you. If you choose to put yourself there with them, you stay with them until you all can be free. Now that's commitment. That's what love looks like, lived to the point of self-sacrifice. And that's how Jesus loves you. Because the truth is, we can't escape the trap of sin. There is no way out of this world alive, no matter how hard we run. But seeing us trapped in the war zone of sin and death, in love, only love, 
Jesus, the son of the living God, chose to run to us, to find us where we're hiding in the place of our terror and our fear. And since we could not escape death, he made the commitment he would not escape it either. Rather than leave us to our fate, Jesus chose to face down death in the Garden of Gethsemane and the terror of arrest and torture and the horror of execution on the cross for us. He would not leave us. Instead, he surrendered himself to death for our sake so that by entering into it, he could, by his resurrection, transfigure death itself from an end that we could not escape to the way of our new beginning with him through the power of his saving love. That's love. That's the power of the glory of our God of the mountains who came low for us. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. See, our God meets us in the valleys because that's what love does. Love goes low. So what are we to take from this? As we begin this season of Lent, starting with this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, we begin a 40-day season of remembering how Jesus chose to use his transformational power by laying down his life for us on the cross. And we truly don't understand what Jesus' resurrection from death to life has to do with us until we understand how much we need him to do the same in us. Until we're honest about where we really are and about the rescue that we need. And so in these 40 days, we confess how much we need him. And we commit to remember the price that he paid to set us free. On Sundays in our Being Transformed series, we'll be learning about how Jesus' power changes things in us and in our world. And then on Wednesday nights, congregation members will be sharing tools for transformation, faith practices that have helped them grow closer to Jesus and experience the Lord's transformational power in their daily lives. And you can learn those tools as well. So come and join us for this journey. But a journey can always only begin from where you are, right? So that's what we're asking today. Where are you right now? Where are you today? Maybe today you feel like you've lived in the valley so long, you can't even remember what a mountaintop looks like. If that's you today, beloved, you don't have to find the strength to climb a mountain to find Jesus. Because he's the God of the mountains and the valleys, and he has chosen to show up right here with you. So invite Jesus into your valley of pain Because believe me, he's known worse, and he didn't run. So he's not going anywhere without you. You can trust him to be there with you to the end. And if you'll let him, into the new beginning. So first, invite Jesus into your valleys. And I'd like to invite you to take a moment and just ask the Lord to show you what those valleys are for you today. Where do you need to see that Jesus is with you? What do you need to invite Jesus into in your life? And then secondly to share your mountaintop moments. Because there's a reason that Jesus invited Peter, James, and John to see this. And after the resurrection, John shared the impact of this day, both in his gospel and his letters, in a way that impacts us even today. You can hear the echoes of that in John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
And in his first letter, 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life with, which the, with the Father and has appeared to us. And then in 1 John 3, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What has Jesus shown you about who he is in your mountaintop moments? I invite you to take joy and strength from those moments and those stories, but don't just savor them yourself. Share them. Share what you've learned about his power and his character and his love with someone else because his power on the mountain is meant to be poured into the valleys. Which leads to our third response. Which valley is Jesus calling you into? Because believe it or not, today your action step I'm asking you to take is not for you to go to Syria and become a free Burma ranger. In case you were worried about that. <laughs> Obviously, that's not everyone's calling. But the truth is, None of us have to look too far to find people who are desperately trying to free the oppression of loneliness or sadness or pain or hopelessness. Who is Jesus sending you in love to find and sit with and pray with where they are until they're ready to know and experience their rescuer who will never leave them? who has already chosen to defeat death for them, to draw them into his glorious love right now and forever? Maybe these are even some people who Jesus brought to mind last week when we were talking about forgiveness and the need to forgive one another. Pray about it. Let Jesus lead you. We come to see Jesus' character best when we let our lives be vessels of that love poured out to others. Because this glorious God of the mountains is also God in the valleys, and he comes to make all things new. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are in awe of your love. We're in awe of your courage. We're in love, in the love that you've poured out for us. And so, Lord, today, trusting your word is true, we invite you, Lord, to meet us in those valley moments of our lives, those places where we are feeling lost and broken. Um, Lord, thank you that you love us enough to meet us there. Um, and we thank you, Lord, that you love us enough not to leave us there but to draw us into your glory, into your power, into your comfort. And Lord, we pray that you would invite us to share those moments where you've shown us in a powerful way your love, that the world around us can hear our stories of encouragement and grace, that we can encourage one another in your goodness. And then, Lord, we pray that you would also send us, that you would help us to follow you down the mountain into those places where you want to make real change in the world and in the hearts around us. Lord, help us. Equip us, Lord, to love like you love. Uh, send us to those places that you would send us to make a difference in this world by that love that you give through us and in us. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.